Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. In the first service, we had some good church and God moved. And I believe without a doubt in my mind that God is moving already in this service. And I said it in the first service that he was, I don't know, like, Yesterday, I was kind of like out of sorts, and I was trying to get my message together. I was trying to figure out how to put it together, and I had things going on, and blast from the past, text message happened, and I wake up and had things going on, and my life was kind of chaotic yesterday, and I can't describe the way that I felt yesterday. Like, I can't put it to words, and I was really struggling. And I got done with my message, and I told Rochelle, I was like, I honestly don't know how I got this done. And, but as I was studying, and I go through, and I read some of the things, I was like, I know that it was nothing but God. And so, I, uh, as I was studying yesterday, I don't know, like, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we've been going chapter by chapter. What meant to be a four-week series has turned into, well, I don't know, we're, yeah, a more-week series. Um, but like Betty said, she was in Acts chapter 19, and that reminds me, um, she read the scripture that's imprinted on our prayer clause, um, and I believe these are these are important part. You you pray. This has no power. This doesn't have power. This doesn't have anything special. But it's the faith of the church in uniting together in prayer for a person, and that's what it is. And that's the importance of it. And so that's why we anoint these with oil and pray for them. The Bible talks about calling for the elders of the church to pray. And it wasn't talking about the old people of the church to pray. It was talking about the leaders in the church. It was talking about the people of the church coming together and praying. And so, well, that's another chapter in the book of Acts. So I'm not going to get totally into that today. But I think at the end of this service, I had already thought about doing it before. And so when you read those scriptures, I was like, it reminded me to do those today. And so um, we're going to do that for sure for Cindy and Russell and for Tammy. 
and uh, anyone else that would want one. Um, I only have one, but I know I have more. So I task Rochelle with finding the rest of them um, before the end of service. Otherwise, we'll cut up someone's clothes. <laughs> okay, that's what, that was where it came from. They cut up Paul's clothes. You have an extra, I have t-shirts in there. We won't take yours. <laughs> She's like, but wait, do I get one of those t-shirts? You can have mine. <laughs> um, so uh, we've been going through the book of Acts, and I, I love it because when you, when you read Acts, like there is so many things that happen. Yeah, it's like the book of action. There is so many, there's so many good things that, that go on. There's so many, it just kind of wows you. It's the start of the church and it's just like booming. Like business was taken off. Church was exploding. And, and I feel like when you look at the book of Acts, like that is how the church should be today. We should be full of fire. We should be full of power. We should be, y'all are going to get my attention. Like y'all, y'all over here, like amen to me, y'all over here quiet. I'm like, I'll pay attention to these people. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not gonna, I'm kidding. <laughs> joke. It was a joke. I promise. You don't have to, you don't have to be loud to get my attention. I promise. <laughs> no, we don't need more cowbell. <laughs> I have a fever. <laughs> no, stop. Stop. It's 2 p.m. <laughs> so. The question I'm going to ask you today, we've been looking at this as that, and over the past few weeks, we've kind of asked, we haven't really asked the question, but today I'm going to ask you this question, who is this for? But over the past few weeks, we have been looking at the lame man. We've been looking at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We've been looking at Ananias and Sapphira. And so today we're going to look at who is this for? And so in Acts chapter 3, we talked about the lame man. And I can tell you this, that if you're broken today, this can change your life. That if you've got a situation that you feel like uh, that's left you feeling like you have no other option, that God can restore you. When, when Peter and John were walking, the, the, the lame man was laying there and he had no other option. But for 40 years, he had been carried there by his friends. Some people ask, and I said this in the first service, um, sometimes we're like, well, 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 Zach, no, one, no one's been healed yet. No, uh, Tammy, Tammy still has high blood pressure, and, and Cindy and Russell were in the ER this morning, and you prayed for them this morning, and, 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 and Russell, now he's admitted to the hospital. Like, you can look at all of the bad things that go on, and you can look at and focus on all the bad things, and you can be like, where's the miracle? Yeah. What, 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 what about, what about this? This guy was 40 years at the gate. Beautiful. The lame man was 40 years at the gate. Beautiful. He had to be carried there for 40 years. But what happened when God worked his miracle? He got up and gave God glory. All of his friends could have been upset at the fact they had to carry him. They could have been like, God is not worthy of your praise. They could have tore him down. And so we can choose to look at the situation and be like, oh, God's not going to move. But God showed up at the perfect time. His life was a testament to the power of God. So no matter what the situation is, God steps in and God works the perfect miracle at the perfect time. And so what I see here is this lame man, he's healed. He did, they didn't have much. But they had Jesus. And so here's what I know. Is if you're lame. There's someone in this building that can help get you to the feet of Jesus. I don't have much. But I have Jesus. And I can give you Jesus. 
I know this, that if you can just, if you can get a hold of Jesus, if you can get to Jesus, it, it, can, it can begin to restore you. It can begin to make you whole again. And this lame man, while he was broken and beat up, it was perfect in God's time. It wasn't, it wasn't what he wanted. Cindy just said, my miracle is coming in God's timing. I believe that 100%. I believe that 100%. I believe and still believe in the miracle working power of God. I believe that 100% because God is a miracle working God. And yes, maybe Russell may be in the hospital right now. Maybe the church, it's the purpose of the church now is to bind together in prayer. To, because when the church begins to, God does things, allows things to happen so that the church can come together. Because what happened when the lame man received his ankle bones and they became strengthened? What happened? He began to walk and he began to give God glory. And then people were like, whoa. Yes, 2,000 more people were added to the church that day. So there is a purpose. Maybe God allowed something like this to happen so that the perfect miracle could be worked. And we're here putting God in a box like, oh, I need it to be this right here. No, God, let your will be done. Let it be the perfect miracle. God, let it be your will. God, let it be what you need it to be. God, work the perfect thing. That is, get your eyes on Jesus and not on the signs and wonders. So, yes. Yes. So you may have some broken things in your life, but the answer that you need is found at the feet of Jesus. So in Acts 4, we see it was made available to the Pharisees and Sadducees, even though they rejected it. Even though the Pharisees and Sadducees were some of the people that rejected it, even though they were some of the people that, that said crucify him, even though they were some of the people that were said, give us Barabbas, they were some of the people that, 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 that accused Jesus of, of what he did, they decided they would reject Jesus again here in this opportunity. God was still reaching for them. He still loved them. It doesn't matter how many times you reject him. He still loves you. He still cares for you. Maybe you have sat through some preaching and you're like, this is crazy. This is contrary to what I've always believed. I have to change something in my life. Now, I don't want to do that. Here's the thing is sometimes you are going to have to change some things in your life. That's just that's just the cold, hard facts. God is going to come in and he is going to change things in your life. And it's going to and, and sometimes it's going to be difficult. Sometimes you're not going to like it because we don't like change sometimes. But God begins to come in and he begins to change them things. We think about it when you begin to. Till up the ground before you plant something. If you just go throw seed on hard, nasty ground, what happens? Nothing. I can't, I'm not a good gardener, but I know this. You got to till the ground first. So you got to get out and you've got to till the ground. So God gets out and he begins to till your ground. And sometimes God begins to work that in your life. And so just because you've rejected, he still loves you. He's still, he's still reaching for you. How do I know? Because he's still reaching. Because you're still here. I know that there are times in my life that I have rejected God over and over. And for whatever reason, he would still see fit to bring me here today. I don't know what he was thinking. 
could have, he could have given up on me, but he still reaches. In Acts chapter 5, it was available to Ananias and Sapphira. Even though they chose to lie, it was still available to them. Forgiveness was available to them. It was available to them. They had a choice to make. They had an opportunity. They, they had determined in their heart that pride was what they wanted rather than relationship with Jesus Christ. What is it that you truly want? Are you just here for some feel goods? Are you just here because this is what you do? Or do you really desire relationship with God? You see, relationship with God doesn't come with a building. Relationship with God doesn't come with, with this. What relationship with God comes with daily walk with God. You, you, you can't have relationship with God on a once a, once a month visit with a, with a once a month here and there, with a once a, well, once a week here. With, I'm telling you, like, you can't, have, you, you can't have a relationship with your husband, with your wife, with your kids with a weekly visit. I promise you, you will never, it will never succeed. But and it's the same thing, but we treat God as if I can, I can have a relationship with him on a weekly visit. You, you, church, I don't, church doesn't matter. Oh, like that's an unpopular opinion. Church doesn't matter. You need a daily visit with him. You, 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 you need hourly visits with him. You need, you need to walk daily with him. If you aren't doing that, I would dare say you are struggling in your relationship with him. You are struggling in your faith with him. You're questioning if he's real. You're questioning if you have faith in him. I promise you, if you are not, if you're not in a daily relationship with him, you are going to struggle with your faith on a daily basis. You want to have faith like the disciples did, like the apostles did. You're going to have to have a daily walk with the Lord. I'm not perfect. I know this because I experience it because sometimes I don't have a daily relationship with God. So it was available to them, but they chose to do their own thing. You see, the word of God is true. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So what do you want? Do you want to pay or do you want something free? I like free things, but people are like, but nothing in life is free except the gift of God. It's literally free. Like really, like, like it, in, in many other religions, there is this, uh, you have to tip the scale from good to bad. Like y'all, I have done some bad things in my life, but I don't have to tip the scale from good to bad. I didn't have to go and do a bunch of good to counteract the bad I did. Uh, when I repented of my sins and I came, it was, that was what I had to do. That was repent and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I need, I need something different in my life. That was when things begin. That's when the scale started to tip. That, that was what it was. I had to turn away from my, my life of sin. So the wages of sin is death. I'm paying for my lifestyle so that I can have a moment of pleasure, right? A pleasure in time that leads to an eternity of hellfire and brimstone. When you think about it like that, like, oh, nobody likes the word hell. Nobody likes the concept of burning. Oh, why would God send someone to hell? God, when you think about it, when you really look down at it, God did not make hell for you and me. It, 
was not, it was not meant for you and I. It was meant for Satan. It was meant for his demons. It was meant for the fallen angels. How do we end up in there? By following them. It's by following Jesus and the plan of salvation. It was our choice. We get to, we get to make it. Just like Adam and Eve had a choice to live in the Garden of Eden, we have a choice. Like, you don't have to, but this is the plan. This is, well, well, why did God make that plan? That's a terrible plan. I don't know about you. So is living and dying and, and just turning into dirt. Like, either one, like, I don't know. Like, I want to make it to heaven. It's not that bad. I love my life. I, I love my life. I can't tell you how much I love my life. Seeing other people's lives transformed and changed, it's the best thing I have ever experienced. <coughs> You'll reap what you sow. Have you ever? Yeah, I looked at, uh, I was thinking about this, the corn and, and the bread and all those things like that. There's this uh, GMOs. Like, now, now, I'll like, eat anything, clearly. Um, I, like, I don't care about GMOs, like genetically modified, whatever, you know, the, the, the grains, the, the corn, like, it's all good, you know. Um, but the stuff we eat today isn't like it was like 100 years ago. Like, it can withstand bugs, it can withstand pesticides, it can withstand heat, cold, like, it, it's like different than what it was, you know. So, it's been genetically modified. And sometimes it's not good. Like, the genetically modified stuff isn't good for you. Um, it, it causes digestive problems for some people. Some people have a hard time digesting. And so it's caused problems in, in people. And as, a, as, a, as humanity, we have, uh, some people have developed digestive issues and all these different issues in the body because we're trying to genetically modify our food to feed more people. It's kind of interesting. Sometimes we take things out of the word of God. We genetically modify it to fit what we want. Michelle, you don't have to keep looking for them. I thought they were easy to find. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought they were just like around there. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and so we pull the word of God, we pull one scripture out and we genetically modify it to fit our context. And then we look and we start sowing this seed. And all of a sudden we have this seed of bitterness, Ananias and Sapphira, a seed of pride. And we think we're doing good. Ananias and Sapphira thought they were doing something good when they thought they were giving everything to the church. It was okay that they gave half. But the problem was, is they were giving half and trying to make it look like they gave everything. And what they were really trying to do was rob God and get all the glory for themselves. They were trying to buy a position. That's not what it's about. It, it, it's about giving God glory for everything. And so in this here, we twist something in the word of God to fit our context. And I said this in the first service. Unless you recognize what's in your, what's in your pouch and what you're sowing, you're going to continue to leave in your path a field 
of things that you've got to go and dig up. And there's some things in my life that I've had to go and apologize for and I had to go and unroot. I had to take that seed that was not good and I had to burn it. Because the word of God is good. It's perfect. I love the word of God. I will. I love the word of God. It is the, the this is good seed. But when I take it and I put my twist on it and I do my thing with it, then I pervert the word of God and I begin to sow the wrong thing. And that is when it becomes wrong. And I can justify all I want, the things that I've done in the past and saying, oh, I was justified, but it was wrong. And I have tried to go to every single person in the past that I had wronged and make it right. And I said in the first service, there was one person that I have not been able to get a response from. But as soon as I see him in person, I'm going to try and make it right. First things that I say is I'm sorry. That's the first thing I'm going to see as soon as I see him face to face. I'm going to ask him for forgiveness because he's the last person that I want to make right with. Because what I did to him was wrong and what I had done to so many others was wrong. And I had used the word of God to justify the way I had treated them. And it was wrong. Sometimes you're going to have to go back and pick up those seeds of bitterness that you sowed. Sometimes you're going to have to go back and pick up those seeds that you sowed that were not truly the word of God. True, we're not truly in love. And you're going to have to recognize it before it's too late and make it right. It's deep when you begin to think about that. Ananias and Sapphira had an opportunity. They had determined in their heart all the way up into the point that they laid the money down and said, this is everything and chose to lie to God. I don't want to lie to myself or to God. That I've made everything right. I don't want to scatter seed that is a lie. I don't want to scatter seed that's wrong. Check yourself. Look at what you're doing. God, am I in line with what you want? It's appropriate. It's a good thing to do. Look at what you're doing. This is where it brings us to this week. Acts chapter 6 and 7. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Check that out. A large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Remember back there, the Pharisees and Sadducees? Now we got a group of priests becoming obedient to the faith. God did not stop reaching. People who had rejected the Messiah now are becoming obedient to the faith. This is how I know that God continues to reach. Those people who rejected became obedient to the faith. It doesn't matter if, you're, if it's not something that you've always done. Maybe God is trying to show you that it's something new because he wants to do something new in your life. Maybe he's trying to do a new thing. Maybe he's trying to say, hey, you've been doing this all your life. It's time for a change. You've been doing this for generations and generations and it's time for a change, it's time to stop the chaos and have a change in your life. God is still pulling for your life. Doesn't matter. It's time for a new thing. You've never gone too far. The only point where you've gone too far is the point where the blood ceases to flow. 
when the heart has stopped beating, that is the only point of no return. That is the only time when you no longer have an opportunity to make a change. I want to use every beating heart moment, every breath that I have to make sure that my life is in the will of God, that I'm doing what he wants. I'm not perfect by any means and I mess up all the time. But I'm going to do my best to make it right. I'm going to do my best to follow the will of God. I'm going to do my best to follow him. I'm going to do my best that I can to see people's lives saved. Because the gospel is what changes lives. It's what's changed minds. And I know that if he still continued to reach for those that would kill Jesus. He's still reaching for you. Because he loves you. And he's trying to do a new thing in your life. You haven't gone too far. Your heart's still beating. It's still time to make thing right, things right. In Acts chapter 7, we see that this was also intended for the stiff-necked people. That God loved the stiff-necked people. Amen? That means God loves you. Amen. You're like, whoa, I'm not stiff-necked. I don't know. Uh, I'm just saying, there was stiff-necked people in the 11 a.m. service. There was stiff-necked people in the 2 p.m. service. There's stiff-necked people in every church in this city. And there's sti there was stiff-necked uh, service. Uh, there were stiff-necked people in the church I came from. There were stiff-necked people in, in, in every single church that I've been to. It doesn't matter. From generation to generation, there have been stiff-necked people. Step on everybody's toes. Let me stomp. I have been stiff-necked. But you know what you got to do to get unstiff-necked? Ooh, I like that. Get connected. You got to get connected with the right people. In real life, what do you do? You go to the massage therapist. Sometimes you stretch out that neck, get it to crack a little bit. You go see the physical therapist. You go see the chiropractor. Like, you go see who you got to go see to get the stiff-neckedness out, right? Well, the church needs Jesus Christ to come in and get the stiff-neckedness out. And what Stephen was preaching here was trying to get the stiff-necked people to realize that they needed Jesus to change their lives. And the reality is, is today we still need Jesus Christ to change our lives. That's the reality. So, God loved them. God loved the people that rejected him. He loved the people that killed him. But it doesn't matter. He was willing to seek and to save them. Check this out. Now, nobody likes this, to be called stiff-necked. But I'm just going to focus on the children of Israel and not so much on today's people. But you can apply it to <laughs> Acts chapter 7, verse 51. And I'll bounce around a little bit in Acts chapter 7 today. So in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, it says, You stiff-necked people, 
with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You, all, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit, as your ancestors did. You do also. Just like mom and dad did. Oh, Lord Jesus. You do it too. Just like grandma and grandpa did. You're doing the same thing. For generations and generations, you are doing the same thing. You're keeping the chaos. You're keeping, you're keeping it alive and well in your family. You're keeping this going. You're resisting God. Verse 52. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one. Whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You killed the Messiah who the prophets predicted would come, who prophesied would come, and your ancestors killed them. So y'all are continuing on in this thing. So if you don't realize this, but you're repeating everything, you need to recognize what you're sowing because you're continually reaping what you're sowing. Verse 53, you received the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. Whoa. They were so adamant about the law. They were like, oh, you're breaking the law by preaching this Jesus. You are so terrible for breaking the law. And he's like, Hey, you're pointing this finger back about me preaching this Jesus. But I just want to point out to you real quick. You've been breaking the law for generations. From generation to generation. You have not been following the law. You have been doing whatever you wanted for generations. And been resisting God for generations. We're pretty quick to choose what we want to do. And then resist God. We're pretty quick to pick out the things we want to do and then not do what God wants us to do. And then when sometimes when God begins to be like, hey, I need you to do this, you're like, that's not God. Acts 7 covers the story of the children of Israel and talks about how Moses was born during a time of child slaughter. See, here's the thing of why understanding the Old Testament is important. Because if you don't have an understanding, if you don't read the Old Testament ever, you are going to struggle with the New Testament. Because everything that I just read is referencing the Old Testament. So the reason why I say that is because the Jewish faith and the Christian faith, the Christian faith was birthed out of the Jewish faith. And the God, Yahweh, that's our God. That's what like, like, we worship the same God. They just don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Like, they, they just missed that part. Like, they rejected him. Like, we're, that's what we're reading about right now. They're just, they're missing that. So, unfortunately, we were grafted in. He, like, reached to us. We got to be grafted in. And we talk about that more here in Acts, here in a couple of chapters. But in this portion here, he's talking about and he's reading and he's, he's preaching this message coming from the Old Testament. And he's talking about the history of where they had come from and, and, and the, uh, the, 
uh, their, their escape from Egypt. And this is why it's so important to have a context of the Old Testament, because the Old Testament matters. If you don't have the Old Testament, you are going to struggle with the New Testament because the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So you need the Old Testament to understand the New Testament. So Acts chapter 7, verses 18 through 19, everything I'm about to read is a reference to the Old Testament. This is Stephen's message to these people. This is why I preach from the Old Testament, because you need it. Until a different king who did not know Joseph ruled under Egypt, he dealt deceitfully with our races and oppressed our ancestors by making them abandon their infants outside so they wouldn't survive. They're killing their babies. Don't sound good. Interesting fact, though. Here, Moses arrives at a time of child slaughter. God sends the deliverer of his people at a time of child slaughter. Fast forward to the birth of Jesus. What do you have? A time of child slaughter. Kind of crazy when you think about it. And you think about the promise here. Here comes the promise. In both times. And it's chaos. And it don't look like it should happen. But God makes a way. You see it doesn't matter. The time frame. It doesn't matter. The situation. It doesn't matter what the chaos looks like. And I would dare say. In our time frame right now. In chaos USA. Chaos world. That we're living in right now. That God is working the perfect plan. Because everybody's eyes is everywhere else but Jesus Christ right now. Everybody's eyes is looking to someone for answers. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Look to Jesus. Every time we're looking to science or we're looking to this, we're looking to someone to lead us. Look to Jesus. Stop looking everywhere else. Look to Jesus. He's always been the answer, but you've been looking everywhere else but Jesus. Look to Jesus is the answer. People are like, you're crazy. Yeah, I know. It's okay, though. I'm okay if you think I'm crazy. Because Jesus has always been the answer in the midst of chaos. He's delivering babies. And, and, and in the midst of chaos, he's bringing saviors of the world. I believe it that in the midst of chaos, God is delivering the perfect promise. And I believe that God, in the midst of chaos in your life, he is working the perfect miracle. He's working the perfect promise. And that if you will continue to hold on in the midnight hour, that God is working. That God is going to do the perfect work. But you got to continue to hold on. God, my faith. God, I'm going to continue to hold on. I'm going to continue to keep my faith in you. In this next one here. They told Aaron in verse 40, it says, they told Aaron, make us gods who go before us. For this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. They even made a calf in those days, offered sacrifice to the idol, and were celebrating what their hands had made. God turned away and gave them up to worship the stars of heaven. And it was written in the book of the prophets, the house of Israel. Did you bring me offerings and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness? You took up the tent of Molech and the stars of your God uh, 
Refen, the images that you made to worship, so I will send you to exile beyond Babylon. They were worshiping Molech like they were. It was child sacrifice. There's one of the things that I was reading about. So this uh, this Molech here, um, there's a potential like that this Molech word here could also mean child sacrifice. What? You mean like during the time that Moses, now I'm not saying it's biblical, I'm not saying, but they, from what some, some uh, philosophers are saying about this word here, they could, they, that at that time they could have been doing child sacrifice while Moses was up getting the law. That's how far the children of Israel went. When Moses, literally God was right there. There was a cloud of heaven around the mountain. And here it is. They are doing child sacrifice, trying to get an answer. What is wrong with you in the midst? They, are, they could have looked and saw there's an answer right there. But they couldn't look. They kept their eyes right here to the ground. You see, so many times we get focused on the speck of dust. And we don't look to God. We we're looking for the signs and the wonders. But, but Jesus is the the answer we're, we're looking for everything else and we're confused and we're wondering what's wrong we're looking at the dust of the ground and we're looking at everything that our hands have done but Jesus Christ is right here and he's the answer what are you looking at where are your eyes get your eyes on Jesus he's the only one that can save you Stephen was pleading with these people you need Jesus you need Jesus it was a mess. God doesn't need the perfect time to deliver his promise, though. He's just looking for someone willing to answer the call. You see, the people got so upset with what he began to say. In verse. <coughs> this isn't in my notes, so I have to find it here in in Acts chapter seven. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, verse 55, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. When he said this, when he said these next words, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Here is something that happens. When he said this, it enraged the people. It made them so mad because they wanted to produce a body of Jesus. And the fact that he says, I see Jesus. The fact that I see the flesh standing there because he had ascended into heaven. The fact that he saw the flesh. Now they can't produce a body. They have no ability to stop the gospel. It enraged them. But not only that. You see, God is a spirit and they that worship him. Must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't just see God. Because God is a spirit. When he said. I see God standing at the right hand. There was a word that was used there. There was a single word that was used. And the word that was used. Was a descriptive word. That described a position of power. And it was saying that it was. All power was there. He was in the position of power. Jesus Christ 
was in the position of power. And when he said these words, the people became so enraged. At this point, they had just gnashed their teeth. They were just, they were gritting their teeth. They were mad. But at this point, they covered their ears. They were enraged. They covered their ears and they rushed him. They drug him out to the city and they drug him out and they began to stone him. They were so angry by the words that he said because it ruined their plan. They couldn't stop the gospel. They knew this. You cannot stop Jesus Christ because he is God almighty. That is why I say this is that because this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is why you need Jesus Christ. This is why you need to get your eyes on him because when you do it changes everything. Look at what he says in verse 60. As they stoned him, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he fell asleep. If that isn't proof, it changes you. I don't know what is. They were killing him. God forgive them. He didn't hold it against them. God continued to reach for him. God continued to love him. Stephen forgave those who stoned him. There's something really important here. Because there's a passage here. The people who were stoning him took their coats and they laid him at the feet of a really important person. His name was Saul. Saul stood there and watched over and protected the coats of the people who stoned him. Now, if you don't know who Saul is, you'll find out in a little bit. And further down on the road in a few other chapters. But he's a pretty crucial guy in the Bible. And if God can reach Saul, certainly he can reach me. Certainly he can reach you. Maybe Stephen's prayers mattered that day. Maybe his attitude mattered that day. I got to be full of God's spirit. So just in case I get stoned, I can say, God, don't hold it against them. God, touch them. Keep reaching for them. Because in Acts 8, verse 1, it says, Saul agreed with putting him to death. And on that day, severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. He begins to persecute the church. Good old Saul. Who watched the coats. Who became so much more later on. Oh, if you don't know about Saul. Oh, a killer of Christians. Turn to someone. Who can change, who helped change lives. Here's what I tell you today. So who is this for? This is for you. It's for your friends. It's for your families. It's for the drunk. It's for the addict. It's for the abused. It's for the neglected. It's, 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 it's for all those that will have ears to hear. That will hear. It's for all those that will. That will listen. Those that will respond. It's, it's, it's for all of those. 
It's for those that are here. It's for those that are online. It's for those that will just respond to God and say, yes, God wants to do a new thing in you. Stop doing the same thing over and over. Stop the cycle and get this in your heart. This has got to be in your heart. Stop and look what you're sowing. Stop and look at the wake that you're leaving. I remember as a kid, I remember driving a boat, and I will never forget this. My, my, my mom and my dad, they were like, oh, you can, my dad was like, yeah, you can drive the boat. And I had watched these boat videos, the test drivers, the guys in helmets, and they were like doing these cool things, cranking that boat over. And I wanted to do that too. Like, I wanted to really be cool. I get into that driver's seat. First thing I do, and I was like, my mom falls off of her seat on the other side of the boat. And like, my dad was like standing up and he's now like falling over and he's trying to grab the wheel and save us from like tipping over. I was like, what? What's wrong? I wanted to hit the wake behind us. Probably would have tipped the boat over. I don't know. Maybe it would have been fine. I don't know. Like now, like I still do it. My brother, scared to death of boats, hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, I, 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 I remember though the wake, like I love the wakes, but you look behind you in life and the wake that you're leaving causes chaos. It's just, it's pure chaos behind a boat, but everything that you're going, what are you leaving behind you? What are you leaving is it destructive? Is it killing people? Is it good? Are you saving people's lives? What is it that you're leaving behind you? Stop and look. Is that really what you want? If you continue to go down this path, will you really get the results you hoped for? We talked about it what we're sowing, talked about the law. So many times generations pick on generation to generation. Now the millennials, all they like is their skinny jeans, man buns and, yeah, and, and, and uh, work boots. And they're lazy and they're coffee. I hate coffee, I hate skinny jeans, and I don't have a man bun. Probably, probably never, and I never will. I'll go ahead and clarify that. I never will have a man bun. You know what? If you want to have a man bun, I'm probably going to pick on you. But you, we can glue one on. We are not gluing a man bun on. <laughs> no way, no how. <laughs> you know what? If you, if you want a man bun, by all means, you know what? And that's just me picking on some, some guy. You know what? Do you want that? Like, cool, whatever. Here's the thing. <laughs> you know what? Like, you, you, people like pick out like the bad things of each generation like you've got you, you you've got the the millennials and then you've got like I, I i'm a millennial so um and then you got like the next generation whatever gen z you know and then you're like oh these guys they, they're not gonna amount to anything you know they're they're this and they're they're that you know and why do we why do we like to pick out all the negative why why is that what we do when I look at Stephen, oh, it makes us feel better about ourselves. 
Yeah. Look at Stephen. He was like, hey, your parents were persecuting the prophets. They were killing them. And now you guys have killed Jesus. If you don't stop this cycle, you're just going to continue in it. No. Nope. But here's what I'm saying. What if we all preached the gospel? What if we all focused on Jesus? What if we got, what if we got our eyes on Jesus? There's always going to be differences. Always going to be differences. But if I always preach love and falling in love with Jesus and let Jesus take care of the things of my heart and the things of other people's heart, he's going to take care of it. If you don't have love with Jesus, it's not, I don't want to make a change in you because it's going to be me. He's got to do it, not me. So here in closing, Saul approved of the stoning of Stephen. And if you don't know who Saul is, real soon, I'll explain it. But I can tell you this. Saul is a person that God used mightily. So maybe you're struggling. and Maybe you're all right. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're never better. Maybe you feel that everything is perfect and that's okay. But I want to encourage you that the altar is a place that we can each grow. The altar is a place that every single one of us, it's not a place for sinners. It's not a place for just for sinners, just, just for the people who need prayer. It's a, it's a place for every single person. Because we all need prayer. We all need to grow. And yeah, you can do it in your seat. But sometimes we need a change of our mindset. And a change of our environment helps with that change of mindset. And so I challenge you today. to Take a step from your seat. And come to this altar and join me. If you feel comfortable, why don't you join me at this altar? And let's pray together. Because I don't believe that God is done with any single person. He's always working. God, I pray you would move in this place today. God, that you would touch. In Jesus' name, I worship you. So used to losing. You're afraid to try again. Right now, all you see are ashes and gloomy clouds that you can throw me away, God. I worship Truth is that you're not forgotten, cause grace knows your name. God's not done with you, even with your broken heart and your wounds in your scars. God's not done with you, even when you're lost and it's hard and you're falling apart. God's not done with you. It's not over, it's only begun So don't hide, don't run Cause God's not done with you There's a light you don't notice Until you're standing in the dark And there's a strength that's growing 